Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. Best podcast to break down hard-hitting dialogue such as, Oh, Peter, why must you continually treat me like a used dish rag? Here to provide analysis for that line and so much more is my friend Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? This drives me crazy that Peter Parker is such a jerk to poor Debbie Whitman. I am feeling quite good about Spider-Man, although Peter Parker is bothering me with the, the ladies in his life. How, how about you, James B.? I think you're pretty excited because today is April 21st, Big Word Day. <laughs> is it, James B? I hear you've caught me off guard. I, I'll have to think of something like an onomatopoeia. <laughs> well, save that one for the next podcast. Instead, just you know, when the opportunity presents itself, I'm sure you'll be ready to celebrate. It's also okay. it's also National Hemp Day or something, but I really don't have anything to say about that. <laughs> so we'll stick with what we know. And one thing we do know is some of the characters that are going to be appearing in these books might require a little background information for our guests. Uh, we will cover four of them. Eddie, the first one you mentioned a moment ago, you talked about Deb Whitman. She's the official punching bag of the 1980s Peter Parker's love life. God. She dates Biff Rifkin, yeah. but she gets pulled all the time to do things with Peter so he can just then leave her behind. And she can think thoughts always yes. along the lines of, oh, Peter, why must you always rush off like this? And I know you must be caring, but... Since you're so terrible, I have to be with Biff and all this other nonsense. But she'll yes. be in these books. Yes. Do she is also Dr. Sloan's secretary at ESU. So oh, yes. A, she is centered. Uh, Lance Bannon shows up in these books. This is Peter's new rival at the Bugle for taking photographs. He's a rather suave character. He makes a, makes a move on at least one or two of the secretaries in a couple of these books. Uh, so we'll see him irking Peter throughout. Yeah, uh, one character who's not very uh, suave, as you say, is uh, Madam Webb. Uh, she's basically uh, Aunt May aged. Her eyes are covered with like a blindfold-looking thing, and she is attached to some machine, and she's allowed to see sort of the future, and she makes phone calls from there all the time to Peter and Spider-Man because she knows they're the same person, asking him for help and having him prevent crimes and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Interesting powers we will learn. Uh, Wong appears in these books. He he is noted for the record, James. He's one of my favorite characters in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Great role he plays. Uh, but in these books, he's, he's plays the same role, although much smaller as Doctor Strange's assistant. Mostly, he's around to be like Doctor Strange is in here, Spider Man. Sorry, man. <laughs> You're gonna have to do something else. Well, it's time for a modified version of one of our segments. This one's going to be called, Does Eddie Know Who Plays His Favorite Character Wong in the MCU? I cannot remember this guy's name, but I do love him in the, the movie so very much. He's excellent. I'm going to give you, like, I'm going to give you, here's an easy way to remember it. Do you know the actor who plays Doctor Strange? It, uh, uh, I always call him a different name. Cumberbatch. Cumberbun. Do you know his first name? Uh, uh, Benedict? Yes. And now, ready for this? The actor yes. who plays Wong, his name is, I'm not kidding, it's Benedict Wong. Oh, really? <laughs> That's so exceedingly helpful, James B. Thank you. Thank you for playing Does Eddie Know This Actor from the MCU? Maybe next time you'll be able to remember it. Don't bet on it, but the listeners will enjoy me stumbling over forgetting something that was told to me <laughs> during well, this one. 
Hopefully you don't stumble in the summary of our first book, and that book is from May of 1982. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 228 Murder by Spider, written by Jan Stranod, pencils by Rick Leonardi, and ink by Dave Simons. Uh, this sounds like names I don't recognize. That's never good, Eddie. We open our shocking offbeat, offbeat James Bay issue with an aging reclusive mogul, Adelaide Schmidt, killed by spiders. In the same moment, we see Spidey become unhinged on some run-of-the-mill thugs, scaring himself and the people he was saving from the thugs. At the bugle, J. Jonah is convinced a Spidey's murdered Schmidt, who has no heir to his fortune, also we learn. Um, when Peter learns the antiques will be auctioned off, he pries the antique-loving Deb Whitman from her boyfriend, Biff, oh, Deb, to investigate further. Okay, so I love that line. J. Jonah James has given Spidey murder Schmidt. Yes, of, of course. Even J. Jonah has to have a limit, right? He's got to realize at some point, oh, unbelievable. But when you see J. Jonah Jameson blaming Spider-Man and you see the random appearance of Deb Whitman and and she's being ignored by Peter. This does have all the makings of a filler issue. But I do want to say, if I have to have a filler issue, this could be much worse. This isn't too bad. The This whole Dave Simons uh, ink and the Rick Leonardi artwork, it's very Frank Miller-esque to me. The tone of this book is horror and mystery with the death by spiders. And Spider-Man is raging due to some effect of these spiders. It's kind of a dark book. It's not... It's not usually what I like, but I actually don't have a problem with this. So please tell me what happens next. Well, meanwhile, at the auction, Peter thinks he's found a lead when an antiques dealer, Norman Junko, seems to be the one who benefited most from the death of Adelaide Schmidt. When Junko leads Spidey to a dead end, he once again gets the odd sensation confounding his spider sense and aggressively saves an elderly lady from a near spidery death. I think you're doing very good on Big Word Day, by the way. <laughs> Thank you, James B. <laughs> so Spider-Man arrives at the scene, Eddie. He pushes ahead of the police, and then he arrives at the dying woman first. So then the cops can rush in behind him, and then they can blame Spider-Man that he apparently just killed the woman you know, moments ago. So he starts shooting at him. He has to dodge police bullets. And the woman isn't even dead, so he has to, like, rush her to the hospital while they're firing at him, like, you know, with no complete disregard to the woman. It's a strange scene, for sure. Uh, well, eventually, the sensation that Spidey's feeling leads him to a warehouse where he finds an unnamed villain. Unnamed, everyone. I really looked for this, but could not find his name. Who has developed a device able to control spiders, which also messes with Spidey. When the fight turns south for the villain, he faints fear while secretly laying a trap. Without Spider-Sense, Spidey cautiously webs up a shield, protecting him from the booby-trapped bomb blast that occurs. Uh, then he easily webs up the electronic scientist, leaving him to confess the murders to the police. Not terrible for a filler issue. I'm always disappointed in a non-arc story. It is forgettable enough they don't even want to name the villain. It's okay. What else can I really say? Well, as you mentioned earlier, James B., the illustrations in this book are super contemporary. It really looks like a book from the 80s vintage. Uh, you can see the smoke trailing behind J. Jonah in the bugle, and you also see Spider-Man drawn with much more pronounced muscles than he has been drawn in the past. I, I enjoyed the artistry 
quite a bit. Yeah, I think the artwork is definitely a sign of what was going on in the times where Frank Miller was writing Daredevil and it was really popular. Marvel was making lots of money. Frank Miller was making lots of money and everybody wanted to be the next Frank Miller. I think that's why you saw this style of writing. Uh, Things are really okay for Daredevil and Frank Miller. Things were not as okay for Spider-Man, particularly when you ran into this next villain. And that was in the book from June of 1982. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 229, Nothing Can Stop the Juggernaut by Roger Stern, John Romita Jr. and Jim Mooney. Nightmares of an unknown giant assailant hound, Madam Webb. She calls Peter Parker with a prophecy of her demise, which will occur in 24 hours. Peter thinks it's just one of those days. <laughs> On a yacht off the coast of Manhattan, a juggernaut tells his keeper, Black Tom Cassidy, he needs a job. Black Tom obliges, sending him to capture Madam Webb. Impatient, the juggernaut jumps off the boat and proceeds to walk across the ocean floor towards Manhattan. This is a wild sequence of events, James B. I realized I didn't know too much about the Juggernaut, or as much as I thought I did before this. By the way, the word um, Black Tom, I think I looked up back in, you know, when I was getting ready to do this, is the name of like a notorious highwayman who operated in the 18th and 19th centuries because I mean, he's not black. He doesn't wear black. <laughs> you know. Did he you know anything ex- else about this? He sounds extremely piratey to me. So uh, perhaps maybe not Black Beard, but Black Tom is inspired yeah. by this character. I don't know. Perhaps. I think it was just, I think it's sort of like a Jack the Ripper type name. It's like a notorious name oh, that he yeah, carries. But it's, it's always a, it always bothers you when you say Black Tom Cassidy. I mean, I'm like, oh, who's well, this guy? I was startled but, that the juggernaut could walk in the water for such a long time. I, I didn't know this was something he could do. The Juggernaut is sort of a a magical being. You know, I'm not sure if this is a cover right now, his backstory. These This book, listeners, is part of a set of two books, and I'm not even sure when they really covered. His origin story was covered back in 1965. I mean, he was Amazing. introduced very early. Spider-Man hasn't run into him until now, so they, they kind of rehashed it a little bit. But I'm not sure when we're going to cover it. I'll just let you know if you know what the Juggernaut looks like. Uh, he wears a lot of uh, like rust-colored brownish-red leather, and he's got a uh, like Eddie likes to call it a like a salad bowl type uh, <laughs> helmet on. Yeah, it's, it's right? not a it's not a fishbowl like Mysterio. It really looks like a upturned salad bowl. <laughs> yeah, with like eye slots for it. But he's that he that he, he says it. He welded it on too. So wow. <laughs> well, well, I'll squeeze in a little bit of his summary later on. Let us know a little bit more about what happens. I want to know. He's yeah, Harry's walking across the ocean floor right now. So let's see what's going on. Well, we move to the bugle where Joe Robbie has no assignments for Peter because Lance Bannon has been snatching them up. As Peter also chats with Gloria Grant, Betty Brant shows up. Betty informs the trio she's hopeful she's still married and ready to be Joe Robbie's secretary again. So... You know, I should be focused on this whole juggernaut story, which I will be in a moment. He goes, well, I'll be. It's Betty Brandt. Yeah, that's Joe Robbie. <laughs> yes, guy. yes. And he says, Betty Brandt leads Robbie. She goes, I'm still married. She says, hopefully for a long, long time. <laughs> She's happily married again, even though yeah, maybe she... was making passes on Peter. Pretty aggressive ones, I thought, before. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if she's going to make it for like, 
50 issues being married, but you know, we'll, right now it's hopefully for a long, long time. They wanted to kind of hammer that home. Didn't she? Because remember, she took off to go to Europe to go find Ned. Isn't I thought like so. Because isn't he like on assignment in like England or something for some strange for reason? For a really long time. And she went there and then she came back because she was unhappy to see Peter mostly. Jeez. Big difference between being Joe Robbie's secretary and Jay Jonah's secretary. Well, um, it turns out Betty holds no grudges against Peter, and apparently they are platonic friends again. Uh, but when Madame Webb calls the bugle and talks to Peter, he's off to help. Meanwhile, the juggernaut continues his slow march of destruction uh, through all sorts of things towards Madame Webb's apartment. The juggernaut literally walks through cars, walls, and arsenal of police weapons, and even Spider-Man's web wall. Spidey seeks Doctor Strange, and with the help of Wong, electrocutes the Juggernaut. However, it is not enough, and the Juggernaut plucks Madam Web from her chair. After removing her, Spidey informs old Juggy that she will die without her life support. She's connected to this giant machine, everyone. The Juggernaut leaves her, and as Madam Web is carted to the hospital, Spider-Man vows revenge. So Juggernaut picks up Madam Web and then realizes that because Spider-Man says something that she's going to die, and Juggernaut thinks, well, I guess I don't need to bring her to Black Tom Cassidy. He <laughs> leaves her. So Spider-Man decides, I'm going to bring her to the hospital. Why would Spider-Man just put her back in the chair? Nope, he's going to bring her to the hospital, which will set up a variety of situations with her in a hospital. Juggernaut? Super unstoppable, except for the fact he didn't want to bring her in. He could do whatever he wanted. He was pretty unstoppable. Incredibly unstoppable. They throw all sorts of things at him. Spider-Man throws all sorts of things at him. And I, it, like I said, I thought I knew things about Juggernaut. I did not know he was this invulnerable. Uh, like, it's amazing. He has this force field and everything that keeps all sorts of stuff from hurting him. Spidey even, he like goes to Madam Web and says, uh, you know, get the Avengers or the Fantastic Four. And she's like, I already tried. Sorry, man. And then <laughs> Wong tells Spidey to go find the X-Men. <laughs> I, You know, I guess we'll have to like pop into a comic book store and see how the X-Men dealt with him before. Oh, well, I, I actually did that for us. I oh, went, great. I went and said, well, I know he's, his origins way back in time. Like, how did they defeat him the first time? They took off his helmet. And then they just knocked him out in the head. That was it. But in this version, he's his helmet is now like magically protecting him. Welded. It's, got, it's like a yeah. So, so that that option's off the table. They figured this is my one weakness. Just like you know the beetle, you figure out your one weakness. Or Molten Man, you just get better. Hopefully, unlike Molten Man or the Beetle, he actually does get better. I had one other issue with this book, disregarding the Juggernaut. Uh, Spider-Man references himself as the Amazing, and in the Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man books, he references himself as Spectacular. I like understand there's like a syntax problem here of wanting to use the right super, you know, superlative for describing Spider-Man. But man, when I was younger, I was like, "Wait, is this the same Spider-Man? Why would he call himself really? You know, that really confused <laughs> amazing? you." Amazing, but because because it's like I thought it was like two different universes or something. Why would you like refer to yourself this way or that way differently? I, I didn't like it at all. It bothers me still to this wow. day. Poor young Eddie. I actually, <laughs> confusing. Confusing. I actually, I actually like it. I think it makes him. You know, I feel like he's in the. You know, the slightly 616A versus 616B universe. I feel like it oh. keeps me grounded where I am. You know, like the same way that the girlfriends <laughs> are a little different in each book. 
You know, it bothers me when I'm like, wait, why is Steve Hopkins in The Amazing Spider-Man? Go back to your Peter <laughs> Parker books. Go over there with Marcy. That's who you should be dating when you're in that book. Leave him alone. Oh. So, um, what, what's that blonde girl we haven't seen in a while? Uh, the one who uh, was in Marvel Team Up that he was dating briefly. Remember her? Sissy Ironwood. Good job, Eddie. <laughs> Sissy Ironwood. I haven't seen her in a bit. Like, that's how I know I'm in a Marvel Team, when Sissy Ironwood's around. True. Now they just have Deb Whitman appearing everywhere. I find it so difficult to follow the story across the books, and it seems to be getting only more difficult. And like, I don't have this money to buy several books to keep up with what Spider-Man's doing. Speaking of doing books, here and there. the third book is from June of 1982. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 230 to fight the unbeatable foe by Stern, Ramita Jr., and Mooney. Eddie, do you recognize what that uh, line to fight the unbeatable foe is from? Um. No, <laughs> I don't. Uh, think I thought that so. was a line from the Don Quixote. Uh, uh, oh, Don Quixote! Oh, you know, I'm just not educated in those circles, James B. I don't know as much as I should. Right, about go ahead, Don you just Quixote. do this. All right, Spidey is out for vengeance against the villain who may have killed Madame Web. I like saying that, James B. You know, <laughs> may have killed her, right? <laughs> um, the Juggernaut. He attacks. But despite dropping a building on the Juggernaut, nothing stops him. The Juggernaut, on page two, by the way, everyone, says, A fine thing, I come all this way to grab an old woman, and I can't move her without killing her. If only Black Tom had found out more about her before sending me on this wild goose chase. If I recall, Juggernaut, you, like, jumped off the boat before Black Tom was done talking to you. Uh, a little obnoxious but at least they're here. letting the reader know why he left her behind. Like, they're kind of like reinforcing. Kind of negates, by the way, the entire previous book. You could have just skipped 229. <laughs> this one thing covered exactly everything that's happened. We move over to the bugle where J. Jonah catches Lance Ban flirting with the secretaries and sends them to the Hudson where the juggernaut is coming into focus on Tom Black Tom's binoculars. Spidey can't seem to do more than tickle the salad bowl-headed villain, and so uh, he takes the fight to 100 by crashing a gasoline truck into the juggernaut. Even from a distance, the inferno burns Spidey, but the juggernaut remains unfazed. Eddie, the juggernaut seems to be the toughest opponent in a long time. That previous attack would kill Every other Spider-Man foe I can think of recently, except maybe the Spider-Slayer, maybe that could survive it, but that would have killed, like, everybody. It's like a full gasoline truck that just explodes. Yeah, I, I, when you wrote this, I was like, you are absolutely right, James B. There's... There's no way anybody could survive this besides the Juggernaut. Well, Spidey's out of ideas, so he just latches on to Juggy's helmet and takes a thrashing. Juggernaut's, like, beating him. Uh, but suddenly, the Juggernaut finds his feet and legs stuck in a skyscraper. A skyscraper's recently poured foundation. The giant slowly sinks into the wet concrete. Trapped. Yeah, and by the way, I, we we kind of call him sometimes the Juggernaut. I believe his actual name is just like Juggernaut. It's, uh, it's awkward to say it, even uh, though, you know, 
Speaking of Juggernaut, right. Spidey shows very little concern. He just assumes Juggernaut will be fine uh, one day in case in the cement. He actually has a line that says, like, well, one day they'll find Juggy and he'll come clowning out and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? Like, the guy just sunk in the cement and it, like, he's dead. <laughs> right? Do you remember? It made me think of the last time a, a character sunk into something that was super sad. Do you remember uh, James B? I know when it happened, it was an issue, like, 105, I yes. don't know the name of the creature. It was like the, it's like the it was... ape creature who's fighting in the Kazar book, right? Yes, it, I'm sure his name was Gog. There you go, Gog sinks into Eddie, the quicksand. Twice today, you've pulled up the name. That's, <laughs> you're doing a great job today. Off the top of my head, too. Who knew? It's just this long word day. <laughs> Dude, I'm, on big, on big word day, you're like it's Gog. <laughs> <laughs> the only foe with three letters in this name. <laughs> well, uh, Spidey first hurries to the bugle where Peter proves to have the only pictures of the battle, much to Lance Bannon's dismay, and then goes to the hospital to tell Madam Webb Spidey has defeated the Juggernaut. We end our book with Madam Webb delirious and confused as to who Peter or Spider-Man is, and Peter Parker looking worse for wear walking It out. looks like the way to defeat Juggernaut listeners, if you ever come across them, is his vision, if you could blind him in some way he might just walk in the wrong direction because he he's just gonna keep walking right he never he never stops walking right no through everything buildings cars everything just unstoppable through two books and the funny part to me is it's not like this is a fast walk literally a platoon of police officers that shoot at him and form like a wall of cars and he's like yeah whatever just walks right through the wall so Interesting. It's an interesting type of character. I, I enjoyed it. He's certainly ready for Spider-Man to encounter someone he has this much trouble with. Um, I don't have anything else to say except I realize Owl um, is also a short villain's name. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Juggernaut has got to be one of our longest ones. Too. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Good for long word day. All right, James B. Uh, Eddie, it's time for our sponsor. Okay. Eddie, ready, are you looking me. for the next great footwear item so you can be the cool kid in your neighborhood? Ooh, I actually really like footwear in general, so yes. Absolutely. All right, well, now from the makers of Uggs comes Jugs. That's right. The boots that Juggernaut wears, featured throughout this whole uh, 229 and 230. Eddie, the Juggernaut does an awful lot of walking, yet he doesn't get plantar fasciitis or other foot ailments. He wears jugs, which are resin-based foam and rubber boots. Think like Crocs, but like full boots, okay? Uh, jugs come in styles such as with straps and without straps, and the, in the color rust. Eddie, they're guaranteed not to break down or wear out so long as you wear them and keep walking in them. That's right. The reverse magical properties keep these 1500 boots from breaking down while they're in use. These shoes are literally unstoppable, except when they're sitting home in a box or in wet cement. Uh, proceeds from Jug sales help those kids at the Brotherhood of at the Brotherhood of Mutants. Uh, jugs are available at fine retailers such as Costco, Puffer Reds, and the Brick and Mortar Modern General Store. Eddie, are you going to pick up yourself a pair of Jugs? If I can hop on down to Puffer Reds, I will. Well, there you go. Uh, James B., I, I had to look very closely at him. I guess I could do some swashbuckling if I had them. That's what they, these shoes yes. look like. Uh, but the 
inability to stop walking. So, that's, that's what so it says there. you know how normal shoes, the more you wear them, the more they wear out. Now, right. I know this sounds like yeah. some kind of trick, but just listen. The more you wear these, the less they wear out. So if you just wear them all the time and walk all the time, nothing to worry about. If you're just going to be like, oh, I'm not going to wear these for a week. It's but, like a week but of wearing regular shoes. There's, there seemed to be some property that meant that I couldn't stop walking once I put them. No, on. I don't think there's a force. The I just think if you're not going to use them, they're going to. They're really? Gonna... Compel? I'm not compelled to walk. I do not think so. I do not think so. I think that's just a choice. I think that's James B. I, I, I might, I might be okay with these juggernaut yeah, boots. They seem expensive, but they last a very long time. So over the course of, you know, a lot of. A lot of boots cost, in real, you know, regular boots that aren't our sponsors, they do cost sometimes you know, like three and eight hundred dollars. So fifteen hundred bucks is not terrible for boots that will, that can, you can wear essentially forever. I could wear these for the rest Correct. of my life. Correct. I we can call you Black Tom, Eddie. <laughs> you could be a pirate, James B. This this could be. It's been a while, James B. I I think. I think this sponsor appeals. Yeah, to me. I actually didn't. I, I thought you might go for this sponsor too. <laughs> I thought you do, and I hope our listeners feel the same way. I'm a big on hiking and all sorts of things, so to do with boots. Yeah, wow, lots of uh, creative fighting in this book, James B. Is that a good thing? I think so. I, you know, we usually don't talk about the fight sequences that happen because. I mean, you know, how many different ways can Spider-Man punch somebody? But he's really having a huge problem with Juggernaut, and a lot of this book is devoted to him fighting the Juggernaut. So, you know, he hits him with, like, the wrecking ball, like I said, and then drives this truck into him, and then when he's just out of ideas, decides to, like, jump on top of him and basically grab his helmet. It just gets... I like how it gets more and more desperate. Like, he doesn't... He keeps trying to one-up his previous whatever move he tried to do on Juggernaut. Eddie, if people wanted to tell us the moves they would do on Juggernaut, how would they reach us? You can email us anytime at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at letsreadspidey. And now it's time for the close. I'm James B. Joined by Eddie. And remember, listeners, nothing, not an exploding gas truck, not a wrecking ball, not even Spider-Man can stop the Juggernaut except for some wet cement. Goodbye. Bye. There's a point in the fight where it says five minutes later, uh, Spidey is slapping Juggernaut around for five minutes. Have you ever fought or wrestled for five minutes, James B? Does it count if, like I'm trying to open a pickle jar? Does that count? <laughs> no, no.